0: so um, if you were with us last week um, we looked at Acts chapter 7 um, if you were not you can go on our podcast and listen to the message but we looked at Stephen um, there was more of a focus on Stephen and um, we know kind of who Stephen is he was one of seven men recruited Um, to oversee the distribution of food for the widows in the church and he really began to grow in his giftings. He was not just a good administrator but God was using him powerfully and um, as a result he drew the attention of the religious leaders who harassed him and um, brought him before the council and last week we looked at what he said um when they asked him whether the accusations were true, he didn't answer them directly. He decided to um communicate the truth of the gospel um by emphasizing um the constant rebellion of um of Israel and then he turns it and um tells the religious leaders that they are have been as rebellious as Israel have been. And that doesn't go too well for him. They get mad and really upset. And their anger leads them to dragging him out of the room into the streets and stoning him to death. Um, Stephen became the first um, ever Christian martyr. And so this is what happened after that incident. Verse one of Acts chapter eight. And Saul approved of his execution. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds were, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Verse 7. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them And many who were paralyzed um, or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for leading our church this year um, to study the book of Acts. Um, I can't think of a better time. Um, for our church, the age based on the age of our church, based on everything that's been going on in our church, with me having to relocate back to England with COVID and recent racial tension and economic crisis, with everything that's going on, I can't think of a better time than to study the book of Acts to understand Um, what you've called us to as a church and specifically how you through your spirit um, empowers us to continue to live on mission for you and so God as we've come to chapter eight as we're going to be looking at Saul and Philip and all of what they were involved in God give us eyes to see God it's not father it's not enough for us to understand with our head God we want to understand with our head but we want that knowledge to transition into our heart and for it to shape everything we say and do and so God help us in Jesus name amen amen Um, and so um, like I recapped this is what happened after Stephen um, was stoned to death Um, by the religious leaders. Let's look at verse 1 again. It says, And Saul um, approved of his persecution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And so from this episode, um, in the life of the early church, this is what we're going to be reminded of we're going to be reminded that God will always use the most challenging of times to fulfill his good purposes in other words even when things are at their worst God is doing his greatest work let me say that again even when things are at their worst is when God is doing his greatest work But before we, you know, we begin to understand how God works in great ways, we have to realize something. And that is, and this is the first point, things will go from bad to worse. Sometimes things will go from bad to worse. The events that took place after the death of Stephen were unprecedented. His death literally gave birth to one of the most savage and devastating persecutions against the church in the city of Jerusalem. And it was so fierce. This persecution was so fierce. Thousands of Christians were forced to flee Jerusalem for safety. For the early church. Things went from bad to worse because this new wave of persecution was unprecedented. It had never happened in this way before. And it was unprecedented firstly because it's described, um, if you look at verse 1, it's described as a great persecution. The early church in Jerusalem always faced persecution. And if you've been with us from the beginning of Acts, you've seen that from the very beginning of Acts up until now, we've seen how the church has constantly faced opposition. But this time um, it was different. And this is how it was different. So far, the apostles and key leaders have been the only ones that have experienced persecution. If you look back at what we've covered so far in Acts, you'll notice that every time the church faced persecution, it was directed at the apostles. It was the apostles that um, got arrested. It was the apostles that got thrown in jail. It was the apostles that received punishment. The, The persecution that we've been seeing in Acts has always been directed at the key leaders of the church but what was different um, about this new wave of persecution was that it didn't just impact the apostles the key leaders of the church it impacted the entire congregation every member of the church was affected the persecution is described as great because it directly impacted every member of the church the second reason this persecution was unprecedented was because it involved new leadership until now the religious leaders have spearheaded the persecution of the church and we've seen that every time um, there's been opposition it's come from the religious authorities but now a man named Saul has taken charge. At the moment, right, at the moment, we don't know an awful lot about Saul, but in the coming chapters, we'll get to know him really well. In fact, he'll become the protagonist in the book of Acts, we'll discover um, how he will severely persecute the church, but most importantly we'll see how an unexpected incident will drastically change the course of his life and will lead him to become one of the most influential leaders of all time. But now all we know about Paul, Saul, is that he kind of played a passive role um in Stephen's death by acting as a witness we saw in um, um chapter 7 that he saw Stephen being stoned to death um and now we see in chapter 8 um that he approves of his death the third reason this persecution was unprecedented was because it was really well organized. Um, The term used for persecution here in verse 1 refers to a program or process designed to harass and oppress someone. This means um, that the persecution was not this random and spontaneous thing, but it was really well organized. Saul and his team were not randomly targeting Christians and terrorizing them, no, but they were operating from a strategic plan. They were operating from a program specifically designed to harass and oppress Christians. So if you um, look back, if you look at um, verse 3 quickly, um you'll notice that Saul and his team went from house to house ravaging the church, okay What they had done was they had figured out um Christians met in homes all over the city for house churches, and so what they did was they tracked um down they tracked down these meeting places, they forced their way into these homes, arrested these believers threw many of them in jail and even executed some. This new wave of persecution was strategic and organized. Um, Saul and his team schemed and attacked without warning, creating panic and much suffering within the Christian community. The last reason this persecution was unprecedented was because it was ruthless. Um, um, Look at verse three, okay? Look at verse three, it says, but Saul was ravaging the church. Saul was ravaging the church. The word ravage used here to, to describe Saul's actions towards the church, it's rather colorful and can be translated as destroy, okay? And whenever it's used in ancient literature, it's used to describe a person who has had the unfortunate experience of being torn up by wild animals okay um my son and my children especially they absolutely love documentaries um, um they love it we we're here in the uk so we have access to one of the best animal documentaries around is by attenborough um and we're currently watching one um called um what was it A wolf, you know one planet many earths or something like that and we watched the one on africa and it was showing us cheetahs and lions and it's crazy it's just incredible to see these wild animals going after their prey and capturing them and just tearing them to pieces right and so the word behind souls ravaging here suggests the kind of brutality um, that is often on display when a wild animal Captures their prey and tears it to pieces. And so, like a wild animal tearing their prey to pieces, Saul is going from house to house in this incredibly organized strategy. He's going from house to house, ravaging and tearing the church apart. This was one of the most volatile periods of persecution the church has ever faced. It was truly unprecedented. After Stephen's death, things went from bad to worse for the early church. Stephen's death gave birth to persecution that was unprecedented. Persecution that affected every member of the church. Persecution that was strategic and organized. And persecution that was led by one of the most ruthless ruthless leaders in history so for the early church things went from bad to worse and if you've lived long enough you would agree you would agree with that statement you would agree that sometimes things get things can get um, bad to worse Um, I think we use um, an analogy um, and we say, when it rains, it pours. And we use that a lot. And that is a fact of life. Um, Think about it. There are so many true stories um, that can be used to illustrate this reality of life. The whole idea of um, things can get from bad to worse. Like, for example, the husband, who's also a father, um, who loses his job and in the same week his car breaks down and then one of his kids ends up developing um, health issues. Or um, what about the student um, who got really bad grades, um, got really bad grades and the same day He receives a text message from his girlfriend saying she doesn't want to continue the relationship no more and wants to just be friends. Okay. Or um, what about the mother who's having an extremely difficult time because of a wayward drug addicted son and in addition to these challenges with her son um she's been hit by all sorts of troubles like a washing machine breaks and um you know she begins her husband begins to develop you know like things happen like that when um, where things go from bad to worse and so for you this may be the case um i don't know exactly what you're going through i don't um but for you for some of you here listening and this morning things may be getting um really bad um to worse and so the truth is even when things are going from bad to worse you can be hopeful why is that because the truth is our good god will always use the most challenging times to fulfill his good works Um, let's see how the rest of our story reveals this truth okay and so so far we've looked at how things can go from bad to worse next we'll see how when things are at their worst um, it's when God is doing his greatest work Look again at verse 1 it says and Saul approved of his execution and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Up to this point there was well over um, let's just say 7,000 Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know what the population of Jerusalem was at at the time but for over 7,000 residents to suddenly leave a city must have been quiet something. It definitely did not go unnoticed. Most of them um, left everything behind having no time to take anything just imagine living in jerusalem at the time imagine what it would have been like to see thousands of people suddenly leave their homes and their properties and their jobs and relationships to avoid persecution because of their newfound faith imagine being there and seeing that although nearly every christian At that time, fled Jerusalem, some remained in the city. The very end of verse 1 says that the apostles decided to stay. It's not clear why they have chosen to stay. Perhaps they've decided to stay in Jerusalem because of their commitment to remain as witnesses in the city. Perhaps they've remained in Jerusalem because they wanted to make sure everyone got out okay and were, you know, and so that they were willing to not leave unless everyone was out safely, just being leaders. We don't know, but whatever their reason for staying, it's clear that staying in Jerusalem amid intense persecution displayed their willingness to put their lives on the line for Jesus this is another example of how when things are at their worst is when God is doing his greatest work and the work God was doing right now through the apostles based on their decision to stay is giving them the courage in the face of adversity that is one way God works powerfully when things are at their worst. And so back to our story. For many Christians who managed to flee Jerusalem. Um, look at what the end of verse 1 says again. Um, it says um, they scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. They scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So uh, they flee. Thousands of people leave Jerusalem. Thousands of Christians leave Jerusalem because of persecution and they flee in two directions. Some go south um, seeking refuge in Judea while others head north towards Samaria. Now this migration, um, if you was a citizen of the first century in Israel, this migration would have been really surprising to you. Um, Why is that? Because the hilly region of Samaria was home to Samaritans. Now, you probably know something about Samaritans. Um, You know, Samaritans, Jesus encountered a Samaritan woman at the well. We all know that story. But Samaritans are famous or well known for the Good Samaritan, which is a story Jesus told for how um, a Samaritan helped someone he was not expected to help. And this story is incredibly famous it teaches us so many lessons and so for most of you that is all you know about samaritans and that's totally fine but let's get to know them a bit better to understand what's really going on um, in our story for today samaritans were known as half-breeds they were half-breeds what that means is that they were half-breeds because they intermarried with foreign people they were not gentiles but they were not fully jewish they were half jewish because of this genuine jews disliked samaritans and didn't want anything to do with them and the feeling was mutual samaritans also disliked jews bad feelings existed between Jews and Samaritans. Charles Swindle says this, It would be no exaggeration to say that Jews hated Samaritans as idolatrous half-breeds, ethnically polluted, religiously confused, and morally debased. This prejudice run deep. Most Jews would not risk uncleanness by setting foot on Samaritan soil and would not have expected a warm welcome there. Jews detested Samaritans. For example, um, a Jewish rabbi, um, Jewish rabbis would often say this. They would often say, let no man eat the bread of samaritans for he who eats their bread is as he who eats swine's flesh all right and you you guys understand um how jews feel about pig and swines right um, it's it's crazy the um the, the the hostility they had a popular prayer in those days and um, went something like this and lord Do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. (laughs) Just so much animosity between them. And so, in our story, um, it made sense for Jewish Christians to migrate south. judea because this region was populated by legit jews but it didn't make sense for jewish christians to migrate to samaria if you lived in the first century and you heard about jewish christians fleeing to samaria it would have come as a huge surprise to you now a good question for us to consider at this point is why did they flee to these regions? Why Judea? Why Samaria? Why didn't go go west or east or to other regions? Why did Jewish Christians seek refuge where Jews um, do not go at all? They could have gone so many directions. Why those two locations? Their decision to flee to these two regions was actually a fulfillment of Jesus's purposes for the church. This was actually all part of God's ultimate plan. He was using the most challenging of times to fulfill his good purposes. Do you remember, do you guys remember Jesus's final words to his disciples just before his ascension? If you remember, Jesus basically promised Um, them that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and he went on um, to reveal that they would be his witnesses not only in Jerusalem but also Judea and Samaria let's read his exact words from Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it's up on the screen it says this is what Jesus said just before he ascended into heaven but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so this is what he told his disciples. And I can imagine his disciples hearing about Samaria and thinking, what? We're supposed to be going there? No way. OK, but OK, Jesus, you're our master. We love you. We trust you. We will see how that happens. And also, I I I can't. I can I can imagine them hearing it and never thinking that their um, their movement to Samaria to be witnesses of Jesus there would have come as a result of persecution. They never would have imagined that. I'm sure they, they, they were thinking Jesus would send an angel and say, go now <laughs> to Samaria or something like that. And so when Jesus said this, they weren't quite sure what was going on. Everything happening now in Acts 8 is a fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts 1. The church scattered, thinking they were escaping persecution. But in reality, they were fulfilling Jesus's purpose and that is to be his witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria. And to be a witness of Jesus is to tell people about who he is and what he's done for them through his life, death and resurrection. And this is exactly what people were doing. Think about it. They are running for their lives, right? They are leaving everything and everyone in Jerusalem and running for their lives to these two locations. And as they're going, look at verse four. Look what they do. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Right. Again, let me remind you, this is an incredibly tough season for the church at the moment. Things seem to be going from bad to worse. One of their most promising leaders, Stephen, has just been killed. And to make matters worse, his death has triggered intense persecution. And the persecution was so ferocious they've been forced to leave their city and their home and possessions it's a tough season for the church of jerusalem but guess what the dangerous difficult and unfortunate circumstances they find themselves in did not discourage them from fulfilling god's ultimate purposes by being jesus's witnesses let me say that again The dangerous, difficult and unfortunate circumstances they find themselves in did not discourage them from fulfilling God's ultimate purposes by being Jesus's witnesses. One of the Christians who fled Jerusalem and went north to Samaria was Philip. Um, We heard about Philip in Acts chapter 6. He was one of seven men chosen, um, along with Stephen, um, to wait tables. Like most Christians, um, Stephen had to leave Jerusalem following the death of Stephen. But he doesn't go into hiding. Instead, he continues to share the gospel where he went. And that is Samaria. Verse 5 says that he went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ as he preached the gospel verse 6 says the crowds with one accord look at verse 6 the crowds with one accord paid attention to what he was to, to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did god was working powerfully through philip He's preaching the gospel with boldness and doing incredible miracles in the city of Samaria. Verse seven describes some of the miracles he was doing. Look at verse seven. It says for unclean spirits climbing out with a loud voice, crying out with a loud voice, sorry, came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed incredible and verse 8 and because of stephens Philip's sorry Philip's ministry in samaria verse 8 says that there was much joy in that city just imagine being there imagine um that god was working powerfully god was working as powerfully in samaria okay the region um jewish people didn't want to go now christians are there god is working as powerfully there as he worked in jerusalem sometimes things will go from bad to worse but when things are at their worst is when god is doing his greatest work this is true but it's incredibly hard To believe. This episode. From the book of Acts. Illustrates this truth. So powerfully. And we've seen that. The church was at its worst. Intense persecution. But we see how God. Used it to fulfill his purposes. But it's not the only story. That illustrates this truth. Well. If you look at. The entirety of the Bible over and over and over again, God continues to turn things around and use um, adversity um, for his greater purposes. pages of christian history are filled with lots of true stories of how our good god does his good work even when things are at their worst like um, how many times have you heard testimonies of god using major health issues to fulfill his purposes in the Um, lives of his people. In her book, Losing Control, author Ashley Halford shares her miraculous journey through the raw emotions of being a young wife and first-time mum with a terminal diagnosis. Um, And she goes on to share how God used her plight to bring her to the end of herself. To truly trust God with her life. There are, you know, these are just a few examples. That remind us that when things are at their worst. God is doing his greatest work. This was true for the early church in Jerusalem. As they fled on president persecution, which ended up, bec- you know, per- persecution, and God ended up turning it around and using it as a catalyst to spread the gospel to uncharted territories. Um, this truth is true for many Christians who have been jailed, persecuted, tortured, or killed for their faith. We continue to hear stories of how God has used their sufferings um, to further advance um, um, his purposes, and this is true for Eleanor and I. Um, this is true for our family and I, as we've been forced um to leave our home and our church family. Um, it, you guys walked with us on that journey. It was incredibly hard. It was the worst season of my life. Um, to be told that we had to. ...leave everything um, and move back to the UK um, because of our visa issues. Um, We may not fully see it um, or believe it, but even as difficult as it was for us, um, we are trusting that our good God is using this for his good purposes. Um, And this is true. The whole idea of um, when things are at their worst... God is doing his greatest work. It's true for us. It's true for the many Christians who have gone before us. And it's also true for you. As you face your difficulties, as you face your challenges. It's true that when things are at their worst. It's when God is doing his greatest work. And this was most certainly true for Jesus and his 11 disciples as he was betrayed with a kiss, wrongfully sentenced to death, physically suffering at the hands of Roman soldiers and left to die on a wooden cross through Jesus' sufferings, through his death, God was doing his greatest work in human history. He was making a way for humanity to be reconciled to him. When things are at their worst, it's when God is doing his greatest work. Do you believe this? Do you believe that our good God brings about his greatest work in our most challenging times it's a well known truth to all of us but do you believe it and for me um, as a preacher I I I, went, I, I I preached that for many years, but it was incredibly hard for me to believe when I was in the moment when I was facing my challenges. It was hard, but I have grown to trust God, and I have grown to see him work his Amazing miracles and amazing work in my times of trouble. And so Kings Cross Church, every single one of you, may God give you eyes to see. May God give you faith to believe. May God give you a heart that hopes that no matter how difficult your situation is, Our good God is using it to fulfill his good purposes. He's going to do that for our church corporately. He's going to do that for you personally. And he's going to be doing it and he's doing it for the church universally. When things are at their worst is when God is doing his greatest work. Let's pray.